You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero here with Brandon Lee Gowden. What's up, BLG? Stats, the draft is in the books. We're here to tell everyone about what they need to know in terms of the winners and losers of the draft. So I'm excited to be here with you. It is going to be so much fun. It's one of my favorite shows of the whole year. We're going to do winners and losers in the NFC, and you'll get winners and losers in the AFC tomorrow with NFL University. Before we get started with all of that, though, I just want to remind you that we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. Now, if you're watching a stream, you can see BLG, but if you're not, I just want to take a second just to describe to you what my co-host is wearing today. He is decked out all Kelly green, got the Kelly green hoodie on. He's got the Kelly green Philadelphia Eagles hat with the old school Eagles logo on it. And I just can't help but wonder if maybe this sudden you know, gust of Eagles pride is because they are coming off an absolutely unbelievable NFL draft. I'm sure you have them in your winner's column, BLG. I have two Eagles in my winner's column, but you could throw the whole organization in there. It was an incredible draft for your boys. Especially night one. I mean, I feel like the Eagles were one of the biggest stories of the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. Stats is right. I am wearing Kelly Green. Uh, it's the best color they have. They're bringing it back. Stats, not this season, next season for 2023. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a great look. Um, and shout out to our, our friends at Homage for the hoodie and everything. So, you know, a little uh, branding, a little uh, swag there, if you will. Um, but yeah, it was a really good draft for the Eagle Stats. They entered the first round, as we know, originally uh, this year with three first round picks. They make that trade with the Saints to pick up future uh ammo which i think you have to factor in you know for we're grading everything but for the actual action you know they enter the night with two picks like all right who are they going to take uh it turns out that they trade up for jordan davis who is exactly who i wanted them to take so two years in a row uh i like how that's working out for me in terms of i really wanted the eagles to take Devontae smith and similar to Devontae smith i think there were a lot of people overthinking it with jordan davis it's like well this guy can't rush the passer and this guy can't play you can't do this and whatever. It's like, you're not focusing on what he can do. You're kind of only looking at the things that he might not be able to do. And you're kind of making a big deal out of that. The, the simple way to boil it down stats is the Eagles got the best college football defender as voted on by everyone, like the Chuck Bednarik award 
on the national championship team. Like <laughs> That is a pretty good thing to get in the middle of your defensive line there for a team that builds through the trenches. And then smack dab out of nowhere, you also have A.J. Brown. Like, like how awesome is that? For a team that needed help badly at wide receiver, uh, starting Jalen Rager, uh, <laughs> Zach Paschal was in line to be have a, a role, a significant role this year. To get A.J. Brown after striking out on Robert Woods and Allen Robinson and Calvin Ridley and all of that, that's a huge deal. A.J. Brown is one of the best receivers in the NFL, and I think the volume numbers haven't been there because he's playing in a very run-heavy offense in Tennessee. But if you look at like metric, uh, I mean efficiency metrics in terms of yards per route run, he's top of the league every single year. And put all the numbers aside for a second, AJ Brown is a badass. He totally is. Like just watch him play. He is a guy who's going to run through traffic. He's going to pick up tough yards after the catch. So just those two additions alone, um, just really like physically imposing. I think those are not only a better team, they're also like a more imposing, intimidating team. Plus, I love the Cam Jurgens pick, who's going to learn under Jason Kelsey, which is fantastic. I talked with Joe Staley, and he told me that he was working with Cam Jurgens before the draft, said he absolutely loved him. That was who I was hoping the Niners were going to get, mm. so I'm mad at you for that. Jordan Davis, you already mentioned, he can learn under Fletcher Cox. Like, it was perfect for the Eagles, and the winners I had on mine were specifically Jalen Hurts, of course, and Devontae Smith. I mean, if you're Jalen Hurts, right, if you said to him, look, Jalen, we don't know what we're going to do with you. We're not sure. We, we're not totally sure if you're the guy. Jalen Hurts would have said, look, just give me a chance, right? Just let me prove it to you. Give me some weapons, and I'll show you that I'm good enough. Well, here it is, man. You've got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. You already had a great running game. The Eagles were one of the best running teams in the league last year. It's all there for you. It is all shaping up. It is everything that you could hope for if you are Jalen Hurts. So he, to me, comes out as a massive winner. And then Devontae Smith, like, are we serious? He's talking about somebody that's coming off a franchise record for receiving yards. Going into year two, which is when players make a big jump. He's got a whole offseason without having to worry about draft prep. You know, it's, it's full board, just preparing for the season now. And then you tell him, guess what? you're going to face even less double teams than you had last year because we just got A.J. Brown who's going to attract all the attention away from you. Like, he's in a perfect spot. He could have a monster season next year. I think for those two guys specifically, the draft could not have gone any better. Jalen Hurts is really good friends with A.J. Brown, so that doesn't uh, hurt either. Seems like they have some kind of uh, – not seems like they do have a kind of relationship. We'll see how it works out chemistry-wise. It's not like they've really ever played together, but still, um, that's an extra bonus. It's all on Jalen Hurts now here in 2022 stats. Like, there's no there's no excuses. Like, I, the roster isn't perfect. Obviously, you don't have a per perfect roster in the NFL. The Eagles secondary is still vulnerable. But from like Jalen Hurts' perspective, like from an offense perspective, there's no good reason why like he can't succeed. Like like the tools are around there. The offensive line should be one of the best in the NFL. You have AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Quez Watkins. I really like a lot as a number three, not as a number two so much or a number one, but as a number mm -hmm. three. They signed Zach Pascal, who I think is a great like number four complimentary piece in the offense. Like. So Dallas Goddard, like you have more than enough to work with here to be, you know, in a, in a really strong position to have one of the 
better offenses in the NFL to be a playoff team to, to potentially win a playoff game. There's a lot of pressure. This is this is a put up or shut up year for Jalen Hurts. And I, I've said it before. I really think his camp is going to want a contract after this season because of the flirtations with quarterbacks in the past. And because the Eagles have ammo next year to do that more of that flirt with more quarterbacks like he really has to erase all doubt that he is the guy and he has the tools to do that. We'll see if he can. And that's the best part. And this obviously goes beyond Smith and uh, Hertz for me, but like, let's say it doesn't work out and he's not the guy, whatever you're in position now to be able to make a play for a quarterback next year. You know, I know a certain co-host that brings a lot of Howie Roseman hate on this show, but I'll just say that dude can be the GM of my team anytime. All right. I, I just feel like the thing I like about him is like, first of all, don't make any draft pick trades with Howie Roseman. Cause you will lose. Like it is, if he called me on the phone, I would just be terrified. Just hang up because you're going to get the, the short end of the stick. And I love that he is always looking and never afraid to take a big swing. I would much rather have that in a GM, even if you whiff a couple of times, than somebody that's just going to sit there and make their picks and be very. No, take big swings and how he does. Sure. And look, I, I think you have to contextualize the Howie Rosen conversation. The argument isn't that. Well, he's actually doing good moves now, so therefore he was good all along. Because I see some of that, and I'm like, well, that's not the case. He clearly made a mess. Like, do we not remember the Eagles winning four games only in uh, 2020, like a couple years ago? And that was a lot of that was because of him. I think it was only natural to have skepticism that he could kind of steer things in the right direction after he made this giant mess. And to his credit, he has. But I would also add that Howie Roseman has been at his best throughout his time here in Philly when people have doubted him, like when he has been extremely humbled, he has proved people wrong. Sure. But here's the other side of that coin. When people start to get back on the Howie bandwagon and <laughs> and he gets like there's this like level of hubris that starts to form. He's been at his worst. So I think when everyone's praising him and getting on that, like I think it's deserved. I'm not going to argue, but I just I get nervous that like he's going to get back onto back on top. And that kind of, for whatever reason, takes him out of this mindset like that he has to prove everyone wrong. And then he thinks he knows everything and he's outsmarting himself. And I think what's been great about this Eagles draft class, and it was kind of a theme of last year too, is he didn't overthink it stats. He didn't take Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Like <laughs> he he went with the national championship players. Again, last year that was Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson. This year it was Jordan Davis. And we didn't even mention arguably one of the biggest steals of the entire draft, Nicobe Dean at 83 overall. It's like you don't always have to overthink it. Sometimes you can just take the best players from the best teams in college football, and that might work out pretty well. Just because it's obvious doesn't necessarily make it the wrong move. Sometimes the low-hanging fruit is the sweetest. Congratulations to your Philadelphia Eagles, Biagio. you got to be over the moon, and I totally get it, and I would be the exact same way. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Who is next up on your winners list? Why don't we stay in the NFC East real quick? Because uh, and, and RJ Ochoa and I will be talking about this on the NFC East mixtape. Obviously, a lot of good discussion there because it was really an interesting, noteworthy draft for all four teams in that division. Um, and I'm going to get to another one. Actually, I'm going to get to all four Sorry, on this list, but uh, not to the extent we'll get in that show. I have to mention the Giants. I mean, when you get Kayvon Thibodeau and you get Evan Neal, you can argue that both of those players were like steals, which is a weird thing to say for players taken at five and seven. Because it's like, you know, how far could they have possibly dropped? But like, I think in a given year, Evan Neal could have potentially been the number one overall pick. I think in a given year, and it was rumored for a while uh, leading up to this draft process that Kayvon Thibodeau would be the number one overall pick. Or at least even go to uh, to the Lions at number two as, as recently as the night of the draft. So to get those guys in those spots, I think that's huge for them to build in the trenches. Um it doesn't even necessarily matter what they do the rest of the draft. I think they had some good picks still elsewhere, but to to be able to add those kind of foundational pieces in the trenches, that's huge. I will say that from an Eagles perspective, I am happy the Giants didn't trade back and get another first round pick next year because they still have Daniel Jones and maybe he works out, but there's really no pivot plan for them beyond that. So I'm glad about that part, but I mean, I'm not so glad about them getting two foundational pieces in the trenches, and especially with Evan Neal. The Giants' offensive line has been incredibly neglected. Our, our good friend uh, Ed Valentine will tell you that going back to you know their last Super Bowl run, they really just fell apart. They were never able to piece it back together since then. To get Neal, to add him to an offensive line that already has Andrew Thomas as your left tackle, and um, they signed some guys in Freedom, so you were going to be kind of like stop gaps for them, like a John Feliciano and a Mark Lewinsky. Um, so there's still there's still a lot of work to be done in that offensive line, but to have two bookend tackles, I mean, that's a good place to start. I think what the Giants showed is that there there's adults in the room again. Like, I'm sorry, Dave Gettleman was a joke. He was so arrogant. Mr. I know what a championship team looks like. And then he drafts Saquon Barkley at the top of the draft. Like, give me a break. The Giants have adults in the room again. And I like what they did, right? Because you you mentioned it. We don't know what their quarterback plan is. They don't know what their quarterback plan is. So what did they do? They didn't draft anybody that's dependent on a quarterback. They went offensive line, defensive line foundational building block pieces of the team. No matter what you do at quarterback, you're going to need an offensive lineman. Like it's, they didn't need to figure out their quarterback plan with these picks. I loved it. I just, they have holes everywhere. So it was almost like they couldn't go wrong, but I think where they did add just was smart because it leaves them with flexibility in the future. And like you said, I mean, they didn't pick up Daniel Jones fifth year option. I think we all know where that is going. If you have any semblance of hope at the quarterback position, you're going to pick up the fifth year option. They picked up Baker Mayfield's fifth year option for God's sakes. Um, So I like what the giants did. I think that they've, you know, it's going to take time to build it up. But to me, when you, if I was a giants fan, like this is your first chance to kind of evaluate the new regime. And I like what I saw. I mean, for all of the, uh, 
criticism that Dave Gettleman rightfully deserves. I mean, that trade last year was a masterstroke. Being able to trade down the Bears and pick up this future first round pick this year True. and pass on Justin Fields. I think that was actually it was the only time he ever traded down his entire career. That was actually a great move by him. So at least they have that one parting gift, I guess. But uh, but yeah, obviously a lot more bad than good for him. But this was this is very much this whole offseason for the Giants has kind of been about like starting new and like kind of trending in the right direction. And the mm-hmm. way I think that I've phrased it to RJ before is like, it's a, it's a, so you're, it's like they're, the giants are at the base of a mountain and it's a very, it's like maybe even Mount Everest. It's a very long, arduous climb, but like the path is clear. It's, it's a hard path to climb, but you can see the path. Whereas before, like there was, you couldn't even see the path. Like you're just looking up at a mountain and it's like, there's no <laughs> way for me to get up there. It's like now, okay, it's going to be really hard, but at least it's there. And if we kind of grind this thing out and get lucky along the way, maybe we'll make it. But uh, still a big, still a long way to go for them, but definitely a very important draft for them. I can't believe I'm going to go here next with my next winner on this list, but to, I'm trying to look at this thing objectively, and I'm going to go with Detroit Lions fans, BLG. <laughs> if you are a Lions fan, you are just desperate for a winner, right? You haven't won a playoff game in 31 years. That's, That's older abs- than me. That's absurd. That's almost my entire lifetime. I'm 37. That is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, Jacksonville decides to take Trevon Walker first overall, and you have Aiden Hutchinson just fall into your lap. And if you're a Lions fan, I feel like you have needed something to latch on to, right? You had Matthew Stafford there, but he was first overall pick in 2009. That was a long time ago. You have needed something to call your own and latch onto. And here's Aiden Hutchinson played at Michigan. Now he's falling right to you at number two. You didn't have to trade up. You didn't have to sacrifice like next year's number one or any of that. And I just think that he has one of the highest floors of anybody in this draft. He may not be Nick Bosa. He may not be, you know, an elite superstar guy, but they have had so many whiffs at the top of their drafts in recent history. I just feel like the worst case scenario for Aiden Hutchinson is a really solid starting defensive lineman. And the fans there are always going to love him because of all of his ties there. Plus, they get Jamison Williams also in the first round, mm. maybe the best wide receiver in this class. You're pairing him with Amon Ross St. Brown, who, by the way, was awesome at the end of the year last year. The last six games, Amon Ross St. Brown had 70 yards or a touchdown in all of them. He had uh, touchdowns in five out of his last six games. He was on fire at the end of the year, and that was with Jared freaking Goff at quarterback. So that's super encouraging. I just really liked what the Lions did. They've got, like you were talking about hope there with the Giants. It's there with the Lions a little bit. You know, the Packers are obviously still going to be good because Aaron Rodgers is there, but he's 39 years old. Like, they're not going to be good forever. The Bears are still a disaster. We don't know what the Vikings are going to be doing. If I'm a Lions fan, I've got more hope than I've had in years. The Lions have a new face of the franchise. Like, who who was it for them last year? You yep. know, like Jared Goff? No. Like, <laughs> I, I can't even really to point to anyone with Stafford being gone, especially. And then even if we want to, like, take Stafford out of the discussion and talk about non-quarterback players for them, like, you know, the last one was Calvin Johnson. But, like, since then, you know, who was it? So now that they have this guy, it's just like a feel-good thing. Obviously, Hutchinson being from Michigan, being from the area, that doesn't necessarily like matter, obviously, in terms of if he plays well or not. Like That's ultimately what matters more, but still, it's nice. It's like an extra bonus. Like, hey, we have this guy. He's so rootable. Um, he's coming off big-time production at Michigan. At the end of the season last year, 
when Aiden Hutchinson capped off uh, his final year at Michigan with 14 sacks and 16 and a half uh, tackles for loss, uh, two forced fumbles. I felt like everyone was like, this is the consensus number one overall pick, right? Yep. Like everyone reached that point. And then, and then Trayvon Walker was taken ahead of him. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that works out. But for the Lions, you have to feel pretty good about getting this guy. Um, so obviously a no-brainer pick there at number two. But I loved the Jamison Williams trade. Like, so in when I saw the, the, the Lions move up to that spot, first of all, I didn't like it for me because I wanted the Eagles to draft Jameson Williams. <laughs> but like I didn't like it for them just in terms of I figured the value had to be way too high because 32 to 12 is a pretty – that's a 20 spot. It's a big jump. Yep. And for a wide receiver, it's like that's that's kind of the move you would see or you would think for a quarterback, not a wide receiver. But when you look at like the, the terms of that deal stats, the Lions only moved – so they moved up 20 spots in the first round. They only had to move back 12 spots in the second, and then they had to give up their third to the Vikings. So I, I played this out through the uh, the uh, Rich Hill uh, draft value trade chart. And obviously, you know, you can that's not a perfect science, but just to contextualize mm-hmm. this a little bit, the Vikings gave up 475 points of value. The Lions only gave up 435 points of value. So that's a, <laughs> a difference of 40 points. And if you look at what 40 points is worth, that's like a late third round pick. So the the, the Lions really should have had to give up like an extra fourth, basically, to get Jamison Williams. But they didn't have to. And they got Jamison Williams, again, who I think is was the best receiver, is the best receiver in this draft class. Averaged 19.9 yards per reception last year for Alabama. He was unstoppable down the field as a deep threat. It's a big deal that they got him. Um, he, I think he's going to be a great piece for them. The idea that he's going to like miss time, who cares? First of all, because the Lions aren't like all in this year anyway, so they can be patient with him. Two, I saw videos of him from his camp, like that he's like, already jogging and stuff. He looks pretty good. I, I, and it was an ACL tear; it wasn't an Achilles or anything. I think he'll be okay. He'll be. I don't think this is like a red shirt season for him. He'll be playing at some point. And you mentioned uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown. They also signed DJ Shark. Like that's a nice little receiving core that they have now. I still, I still don't know what they're doing at quarterback. I don't love that. Like it's just Garrett, Jared Goff or Bust. Seemingly, there's no <laughs> kind of like pivot really. I don't love that. Um, but to, to upgrade their roster like they did, uh, I think the, the Detroit Lions had a really good draft. Shout out to our friends again at Pride of Detroit. And say what you want about Jared Goff, and trust me, I could say a lot about him. I've seen a lot of Jared Goff. But when you put weapons around him, he can distribute the ball. Like he, they're not going to be terrible. Like I don't know. I've seen Damn Jared praise. Yeah, I've seen Jared Goff be able to get the ball in the hands of weapons. So you know, hopefully he can. If you're a Lions fan, I agree. They they need to have some sort of plan at quarterback. But you you can't do everything in one off season. You know they're they're trying to build this thing up. I think they played hard last year for a lot for most of the schedule. You know, I mean, one of their losses was freaking Justin Tucker kicking a 66 yard field goal that banged off the crossbar and went over the net. Like after they a had some penalty on the, the Ravens, right? Yeah. Like they've had some bad luck. So, you know, things are moving in the right direction. So that's why I put the Detroit Lions fans on my winners list. Who's next for you? That's all. Uh, actually, that's all I had. Stats winners lies. Uh, oh, boy. We're going to take a trip to negative town now. Unless you had any more winners, I'm ready to talk about the losers. Let's do it. Well, why don't we start with maybe our favorite team? And by favorite, I mean least favorite. And that is the New Orleans Saints. Um, what are the Saints doing? <laughs> like when you look at how they're operating stats, it's almost as if they think like Drew Brees is still there and in his prime. And Sean Payton is still there. <laughs> like They're not. I, so <laughs> let me recap. 
like what the Saints did in terms of we'll start with the Eagles trade, which we all know the, the Eagles, um, uh, the Saints got 16, 19, and 194 in that trade from Philly. They gave up the 18th pick, the 101st pick, 2273 seventh round pick, and then the 2023 first, obviously, and the 2024 second. Okay. So that was already kind of like a dumb trade, I felt like for them. Not great. Yep. But then they, <laughs> they made it worse by giving up 16, 98, and 120 to trade up from 16 to 11 for Chris Olave. Like, why if you look at i was just talking about the 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 value points earlier from the 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 draft pick trade chart if you look at the value that the saints gave up and it's hard to quantify the future picks because obviously you don't know exactly what they're going to land i just put them in the middle of each round i just assumed like an average value for them like at pick 16 let's say around there could be better could be worse yep the saints gave up 815 points that is the more than what the number two overall pick is worth which is 717 and less than the number one pick which is a thousand that's insane it's insane to give up that much value for chris olave i think chris olave is like a nice player he's who i wanted for the eagles if they couldn't get jameson williams but like it's a guy who like did not exactly post the biggest numbers at ohio state i don't i don't think trading it's one thing if he fell to them at 16 like okay it's it's a solid good pick for them to trade up for him ahead of jameson williams like i just don't what are the saints doing where do they think they are like they clearly think that they are seriously contending and that is insane like this this idea that oh Jameis is going to come back from injury and continue to play the best football of his career which he never did really until last year like it's it's just it's crazy to me i don't know what they're thinking you're right it's like they forgot that Sean Payton isn't there anymore this is an all in type of draft for the saints and you're just not there yet and look you can have all the faith in Jameis Winston that you want. The dude's a walking turnover. He just is. And very small sample size last season. I got to see more of that to believe it, especially without Sean Payton. I think Chris Olave could be a fine player, but like you said, to give up so much to get him, now you don't have a, a first-round pick next year as well. Like I, I, just, I don't understand it. Where do they think that they are going? I know they were fighting for a playoff spot last year, but I think they're going to be significantly worse. There's, there's Terran Armstead is not there. Marcus Williams is not there. Malcolm Jenkins is not there. I don't understand this move at all. And uh, Shio Kapadia had a list of like draft commandments that mm-hmm. I love in the athletic. And one of them is like, basically like, don't overestimate your ability to judge these players. Mm-hmm. And it's, it looks like they were like, we know that Chris Olave is so good and so much better than the other wide receivers that we're going to move heaven and earth to go get him. And we have seen time and time and time again in the draft. That is just generally not a good move. That's hubris. Speaking of hubris earlier, and they yep. did it with Marcus Davenport. They traded a future first for that guy. Like that has not been worth it. Not that to say he's been a bust, but like he clearly has not been. And and he, there was not many scenarios where he would be worth that because it's an extremely high bar, and that's why you don't do trades like this. So, I think the Saints will still be relatively competitive because I again I believe I think a little bit more in Dennis Allen than most, and I think they have enough pieces there that they're not going to be you know like bottom five team by any means. And I think Jameis can again do enough to not be total disaster but i don't know man like that potential is there for them to be pretty bad and yep. let's say they're giving a top 10 pick to the eagles and then they're presumably if they do you know they're gonna need a quarterback and then they can't get one it's like i just i just don't really see what is the best possible scenario for the saints like realistically next year is that they what win 
a playoff game, maybe two at most. Like that's like the best possible. They're, they're not winning more than that. This is no way. Um, so I just don't get what they're doing. I don't know why they think they're so much closer than they really are. I don't get it either. I agree with you. They they deserve a spot on this list. Uh, next for me on the losers list, I'm going to stick with the NFC North, and I'm wow. going Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> we are really simpatico on this one. <sighs> Look, I don't know what it is about Green Bay and this receiver thing, but like they just don't get it. And I don't understand. Do they not realize that like you're allowed to have good wide receivers with a really good quarterback? And guess what? <laughs> you're even allowed to have more than one. Like that's okay. They don't stop you in the NFL. Look at the Colts with Peyton Manning. They had Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison at the same time with Dallas Clark. That's how you do it. You load up and let your star quarterback be your star. And time and time again for the Packers, it just seems like the plan is always Aaron, save us. And at some, most of the time he does because he's so incredible. But at some point, that's going to run out. He's not going to be able to do that as consistently. And I know, I know they got Christian Watson. But I don't believe in Christian Watson as much as some people do, BLG. He was at North Dakota State, okay? With and I know, he's, Lance. I know he's tall and he runs fast and all that stuff. But why didn't he dominate at North Dakota State, right? Like, if he's this good and has this much ability, why didn't he kick the tar out of everybody there? And again, he was playing with Trey Lance. He has zero 1,000-yard seasons at North Dakota State. And I know they ran the ball a lot. Zero 1,000-yard seasons. He averaged 41 yards per game in college <laughs> like that 14 touchdowns in four years, at least with Trey Lance. I could say the dude played 19 games and scored 48 total touchdowns. Okay. Mm. That's dominating at that level. That is not who Christian Watson is. And even if he's really good in the past 10 years, there have been 49 wide receivers picked in the second round. Their average rookie production is 36 catches for 478 yards. So that's the Packers' big move to help Aaron Rodgers. We got a receiver that's going to have less than 500 yards. Even Devontae Adams' rookie season, he had 446 yards. And that's yep. Devontae Adams, who's arguably the best wide receiver in the league right now. I just think that the, there's no urgency with the Packers, and I don't get it. Why not? That's what it's all about. It's all about the timeline. Like, even if Christian Watson develops into a really good player, okay, great, but like you need to win now if you're the Packers. Like, this is your window. And I just don't see how Christian Watson necessarily helps you accomplish that. I think Aaron Rodgers will probably make the best out of the receivers he has, obviously, yes. than other quarterbacks would, for sure. But Christian Watson, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, that's the Packers' top four wide receivers right now. Do you feel, like, really great <laughs> going to war with that? Again, it's, it's enough for him to still be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, for sure. But... Is it enough to help them get over the hump, which they have not been able to get over with, with better players, with, with Devontae Adams? <laughs> I don't know about that. So I totally agree. I had the Packers here on my losers. I just don't – it's not like they needed to force a pick at receiver in the first round. That's not necessarily – like if they did that, they'd be a winner. But the problem was like the plan here. 
or the lack of a plan. Like, okay, we're not going to retain Devonte Adams. We're going to trade him. Okay, and you're going to get a future first round pick, and maybe we'll draft a receiver. Okay, but then that's the problem with that. Like, you had a sure thing, and then you created uncertainty, and then you weren't able to kind of land what you may have wanted to do. So that's your fault. It's not like you just had bad luck. Um, and it doesn't again it doesn't mean you have to compound the decision by forcing a pick or reaching for a receiver, um, which they still might have done, arguably with Watson. Outside of that. I really don't love their first round picks necessarily. Like if you go by consensus big board and everything, um, which, you know, doesn't, isn't the end all be all, but Quay Walker was arguably a reach for them in the first round. And Devontae Wyatt, to me, I really do not love that profile. I think he makes sense for the Packers more than other teams, considering um, he might be more of an instant contributor. He is going to be 24 and a half in his rookie season. He there's some off the field murmurs about him. So, you know, like that's something to file away and kind of wonder about you like five sacks in 42 games, by the way, too, at Georgia. Like, I just I don't love that's like the big upside guy you're taking in the first round. And again, I think he makes more sense for them than, let's say, like the Jags or the Lions, you know, someone who really needs to be thinking supremely about long term. But all around, I was just not really impressed by what the Packers did. Why can't you have a receiver that maybe makes Aaron Rodgers look a little better? than he is instead of Aaron Rodgers always having to elevate you know kind of middling mediocre wide receivers except for a couple Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams but like it's you should help him he's 39 now let's get some guys that can make life a little easier for him so he doesn't always have to be spectacular then again I root for and cover the 49ers so keep doing what you're doing Green Bay uh who's who's next on your list uh, I will go to the NFC East, return there after talking about the Saints and Packers as losers, and go to, I can't wait to talk to RJ about this, because the Dallas Cowboys are clearly one of the biggest losers of the 2022 NFL draft. I mean, everyone was talking about how, including our good friends at Blocking the Boys, like, all right, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, that's that's who we're looking for in the first round there. Help, mm-hmm. help the interior offensive line. Turned out those guys were off the board, which was a bit of a surprise. I don't think many people thought both of those players would be gone by the time the Cowboys picked in the first round. So what did the Cowboys do? They took Tyler Smith, who there's some intriguing upside with him. He's like one of the youngest players in the draft. I think at like only 20 years old. There's athleticism there. Did you see the thing about him during the draft where it's like they had to like break his legs at one point to kind of like correct something? Yeah, no. like stats is looking shocked for those who can't what? see the video. Yeah, there was a whole story about this. Like, so that's already kind of like, okay, maybe he's fine now, but that's a weird thing to kind of file away. And I just don't think you can argue that he was the best possible player at the board for them. I think they clearly, RJ has said it time and time again, like they lost Connor Williams and they kind of paint and they didn't address offensive line in free agency other than also losing uh, Lyle Collins. So they were in a spot where they needed interior offensive line help. And they got a guy, but I think it's very clear that they forced uh, a need. Like That was a need for them, and they forced the pick. They reached at that spot, and that has not been what the Cowboys do when they make some of their best picks. Like, look at CeeDee Lamb. Like, that was a guy. They didn't need a receiver. They took him because he was the best available player on the board. I think Micah Parsons, same thing. It's not like they needed a linebacker, but they took him because he was the best available player on the board. So I think they reached in this spot. Um, kind of not totally dissimilar, not saying they'll be the same players, but Taco Charlton once upon a time, they needed an edge rusher at that point. They forced to pick on him. So I think this was a loss for the Cowboys. 
I like the strategy. Like, I think when people think of the Cowboys, they think of their offensive line that they had a few seasons ago. It is clearly not what it once was. So I like the fact that they recognize that and they went offensive line in the first round because that's when you really, when you built your team up, it was when you spent high picks on offensive linemen. But I think there's a little bit of a gap between the physical traits that Smith has and his actual technique. I think there's a lot of work to be done there. And again, like you've been talking about timelines all show Dallas is kind of in win now mode so that you might not get the payoff that you eventually will down the line. And I think that putting aside what the Cowboys did, I think their time to just run rough shot over the NFC East is over. That was why I had them on the loser side for me. The Eagles had had the best draft weekend of anybody. When you combine everything that they did, the A.J. Brown, all of that, the Giants, like we talked about, to me, they look like they're on the upswing. Washington is Washington. Eh, okay, you know, like there, there's always going to be something there. But I just think that the Cowboys are – the timeline for them to take advantage of the NFC East is over now, and you – you're going to have to be prepared for a battle and they are noticeably worse right now than they were last year. I don't think RJ would deny that. I don't think any Cowboys fan can objectively look at the team and say, we are better in this area. Like, I don't know if there's even one. So that's got to scare you. If you're a Cowboys fan context of the division, absolutely relevant. And really just look at the context of the off season as well. What's one thing I love to talk about stats. It's vibes, right? I love to talk about vibes. Oh yeah. It's been a bad vibes offseason for the Cowboys since they lost in the playoffs to your San Francisco 49ers. RJ loves to brag about the Cowboys winning the NFC East. I like to point out that they lost in incredibly embarrassing fashion to your 49ers in the first round in their yeah, own building did. with a very embarrassing final play that I think <laughs> kind of gets like not remembered fully, um, at least maybe like nationally, I'm sure, obviously by your fan base and their fan base. But point being... Everything has been not trending in a great way. The vibes have been very bad. The Mike McCarthy, you know, like impending replacement by Sean Payton, yep. Sean Payton down the road. Um, just a lot the free agency, losing Lyle Collins again, losing Connor Williams, like lo- trading Amari Cooper, which that trade continues to look worse and worse, by the way. Um, gave up nothing for him while all these receivers elsewhere are like drawing big, you know, returns and trades and getting big contracts. They just, they haven't had a good offseason. They've, I, it, we, so one of our writers at Bleeding Green Nation, Dave Mangles, wrote uh, an article shortly after the Cowboys lost in the playoffs. And and some people might thought of it as a hot take at the time, especially Cowboys fans. But like he made the case that the Cowboys already peaked in the Mike McCarthy era. And I don't think this offseason really does anything to dissuade that belief. Now, obviously, I think the Cowboys have an easier schedule this year. So I don't think they're going to be you know one of the worst teams in the league. I think they, they have a chance to win the division, but they didn't get better. You know, they're not taking that next step up when it felt like they had an opportunity to, especially in a relatively weakened NFC. And I think at best, they're kind of treading water here. Yeah, there's no there's nothing to latch on to right now. If you're a Cowboy fan to say like, hey, at least we did this. Like, I I don't know what that is. So I hate I don't want to pick on the Cowboys, but I do. uh, (laughs) They deserve it. Did you have anyone else on your losers list? I did. And, you know, people will be like, well, you're just being biased because the NFC East. Well, not really, because I gave the Giants a winners and I I didn't want to do that, but I had to. Uh, But I had to stick with Washington here because it wasn't, again, necessarily a disastrous draft for them. But just like when so and I like the trade down from 11 
to 16. They got some more assets, but you still reached, I feel like, for uh, Jahan Dotson. And when you think about how the Eagles traded 18 and a third-round pick, a late third-round pick, 101, for A.J. Brown, and you're taking Jahan Dotson at 16, like just two spots earlier. I know it's not necessarily one to one like that, but how do you feel good about that if you're Washington? Like, how do you how do you look at your first round pick and be like, oh wow, I feel great about this? Meanwhile, the Eagles are trading the pick two picks behind us for AJ Brown, and obviously the Eagles had to pay AJ Brown too, and that's part of the equation here. But still, like, <laughs> you know, AJ Brown's a really good player. You don't know if Jahan Dotson's going to be a good player in the NFL or how how much time it might take. They definitely needed receiver help. Uh, I, I don't hate them at going with that position because it's literally Terry McLaurin and no one after him. Uh, but why not take Jamison Williams at 11? Like, I, I think that would have been a really good pick for that. I was scared. I, that was the that was the biggest thing that Washington could do to scare me was take Jamo at number 11 and pair him with Carson Wentz. Um, speaking of Carson Wentz, Washington did draft a quarterback, Sam Howell. Obviously, it was on day three, so it's not necessarily like you know he's going to be breathing down Carson Wentz's neck. But we've seen Carson Wentz not necessarily respond uh, in the best way when a quarterback is taken behind him. And I should point out here, third year in a row that Carson Wentz's team has taken a quarterback. Uh, a little, <laughs> a little interesting on three different teams. Um, I absolutely think there's a path to where you know Wentz is being a disaster. And he gets replaced late in the season. I'm not saying it's the most likely thing, but that that is a possibility that exists. So that's fine. I think that Washington took a chance on him. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But, um, yeah, I just don't really think that they had the draft that they could have. I hate the Sam Howell pick. And it doesn't really have anything to do specifically with Sam Howell. Like, if you need a quarterback, get a quarterback. Don't give me this guy that's been there and that's hanging around in the fifth round. We're going to take him like, no, he's not the answer. Okay. I'm saying it now. He's not the answer. You know how lucky the Cowboys were to pluck Dak Prescott out of the fourth round. I do. I that do like know. never happens. Even quarterbacks that are picked in the second round from 2012 to 2021, there were 13, oh, excuse me, 13 quarterbacks taken in the third round. There have only been two out of those. 13 that have developed into starters, Russell Wilson and Nick Foles. And that's in the third round. You went two rounds later than that. If you're Washington, like, I'm sorry. I I hate that. Like you had, there had to be a better resource to use that pick on. I know people are going to say, well, if you hit on it, it's going to be great because it's going to be, you're not going to hit on it. You're not going to hit on it. If there are better long shot bets to make than that one. Yeah, I think Sam Howell stinks, to be clear, by the way, too. Um, was not interested in him. And I was I remember watching like the first one of the first games of the year. I think it might have been like uh, I forget who it was North Carolina, someone, and I was like, this is because at the time there's talk about him being like, you know, potentially the first quarterback off the board. I'm like, this is the best quarterback. This guy is this guy stinks. Um, so yeah, I'm not really banking on him. Uh, but that's all I've got. I got one more, and you can call me biased if you want. Uh oh. But I had to throw it up there in the loser column. It's not a team. It's a player. Hmm. And Jimmy Garoppolo from the 49ers. <laughs> I'm putting him as a draft loser. Is he a bigger loser or the 49ers a bigger loser? No, he is. Okay. Because he tried to pull a power move. And I don't blame him for it because it's his career and he has the right to take control of it. But he waited to have that surgery because he wanted to tank his trade value because he and his agent I think Don Yee never thought 
that they would live in a world where the 49ers would sacrifice potentially $25 million in salary cap space, or at the least $18.5 million if they cut him. I don't think that Jimmy and his team ever thought the 49ers would just eat that and not go after free agents and hang on to a player that they did not want and do not want in Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's exactly what the 49ers did. They hung on to Garoppolo. And now where's he going to go? The Panthers drafted their quarterback. That was the spot, right? He was going to go to the Panthers after the draft. That was all the reports we saw. Well, guess what? The Panthers made a trade up. They took, they got their quarterback. And so now where's Jimmy going to go? Seattle? Maybe, but mm. are the Niners going to trade him in the division? Does Seattle even want him? I have no idea. Even if they cut Jimmy Garoppolo now, which maybe they will, wh- where's he going? There's no opportunity to start. So it's either his options are get cut, make less money, and have to back up somebody, or stay with the 49ers, make less money because they're going to make him take a pay cut, and back up Trey Lance. Like I think that this was the worst possible outcome for this offseason for Jimmy Garoppolo. I was listening to Peter Schrager and Rich Eisen. They were having a conversation uh, about Jimmy G. I don't know if you caught the stats on day three of the draft coverage. And Rich Eisen kept being like, like, how do the 49ers possibly bring Jimmy G back? Like, what are you like, what are you doing? Like, why are you not giving Trey Lance the chance? Which is obviously your argument and many people. But Schrager, who was plugged in, kept being like, he, like he just thinks he might be back again. And that's just so crazy to me. And we've talked about it here in the show and you have to jump in a lake. Uh, if he, if he takes a single snap for the 49ers in the 2022 season, I just, that's the thing. So that's, I don't, I, that's why I feel like the 49ers are losers here too. Cause he's still here. And obviously maybe they just do cut him at some point, but like, and that's fine in terms of he's finally gone but it kind of stinks in that they could have probably gotten value for him at some point and they didn't. So there's some opportunity costs there. I don't know what happens with them. And I, I don't know where he would land. Like this, it's, it's really strange. Isn't it strange how like Baker's just out there and we think he might end up with the Seahawks or the Panthers, but like that doesn't necessarily seem like, like certain it doesn't seem like the Seahawks or Panthers are really clamoring for him. There's talk that he might just be in Cleveland because Watson's going to be suspended, but that seems insane. And I can't see Baker <laughs> buying into that at all. I could, I was thinking about this during the draft and they were having this conversation about Baker. I could see Baker being like the first player in NFL history to like go out and like openly like tank the game and like just like, <laughs> like throw picks somewhere because he like, I could see him doing that because he's super moody. Um, and, and like, and, and it probably won't happen, but I, I could almost envision that. So it's weird. It's all this un- uncertainty. And then Jimmy G, like, we're talking about the Lions earlier. I'd almost like to see him go there and compete with Jared Goff. And, you know, he's not going to be their long-term guy, but just so that they're, like, more competitive this year and maybe you can evaluate some of your those receivers we talked about earlier a little bit better. Um, but if it's not there, like, I don't know. It's so, it's so strange how in the NFL there's so many teams that don't have quarterbacks, but at the same time there are these quarterbacks who are kind of just, like, hanging in limbo and they don't have a home. Yeah, uh, the 49ers seemingly – understand that Jimmy Garoppolo's presence would undermine Trey Lance, but who the hell knows at this point, they may be crazy enough to do it. Like the 49ers this off season, just show they don't give a bleep about what you want. Oh, Debo Samuel, you want to be traded? Tough luck. We're not trading you. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you want us to cut you? Nope. We're not going to cut you. Like they will just, they don't care what you're doing. If I were a team like the giants, get rid of Daniel Jones, forget Daniel Jones, get rid of them. Jimmy Garoppolo on the Giants, that makes sense to me. 
He's got one year left on his deal. Like I would much, if I was a giant fan, I'd rather go into the season with Jimmy Garoppolo than the human turnover, Daniel Jones. Hmm. The guy can't even hold on to the damn football. He trips over his own feet. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's going to be crazy, but I thought Jimmy Garoppolo was an ultimate draft loser because no matter what happens, he's going to be making less money this year and he's not going to be starting. I don't think so. How, where else could I put him? I will say, talking about bad vibes to the Cowboys, I mean, the vibes aren't great for the 49ers either. This uncertainty, Jimmy G in at quarterback and not potentially believing in Trey Lance. And then also the Debo thing. Like, what, what's going to happen with Debo? Like, he doesn't want to be back. Like, he's, he's like said this basically, right? He's on the, this isn't like one of those things where there's plausible deniability, right? With like Russell Wilson, where he was like, I never said I wanted to go anywhere <laughs> last offseason, but he clearly did. Um, it, like, he's, he's been pretty open, right? Like, he's been open about it that he doesn't wow. want to be back. And that doesn't mean he won't be back, but like, it seems like there's more turmoil there. Uh, and that's not great. The Debo thing is one of the weirdest situations ever because all he said is he wants out. He hasn't told anybody why he wants out. And the other day, BLG, he put a picture on social media of, himself wearing a t-shirt in a 49ers jersey that said Debo Samuel is back. So it's like, <laughs> what is going on? Ultimately, Where did he go? <laughs> is he back? Ultimately, he Kyle Shanahan basically said in his press conference, look, once I get face-to-face with him in a room, we'll figure it out. They're obviously going to have to pay him. I just think that that situation is eventually going to get worked out, at least for this year. Maybe mm. they don't have a long-term future together, but I think at least for one more year, they'll eventually get it figured out, especially like he knows they're not going to trade him. Like if they were going to trade him, they would have traded him before this draft. So now they have months to work on the situation. I think they'll eventually get it figured out, but you're right for a team that you would hope could just make it all about Trey Lance this year. There's a lot of other stuff going on Mm -hmm. and not really any of it's good. Tough, tough spot to be in. I feel like the 49ers are a low key loser then, or at least they're not, they're not a winner at the very least. Yeah. They had a fine draft, but the Cardinals, I think, are worse. The Seahawks are rebuilding. The Rams are good, but, you know, I don't know that their draft was anything spectacular. So I think they'll they'll still compete for a playoff spot in the NFC, but we'll see where it goes from there. Look at you in your Eagles gear, smiling the entire show. <laughs> Does your face hurt? Have you stopped smiling since Thursday night? I mean, I've, I've been doing good. Uh, look, I'm, I want to say the Eagles are back. Speaking of Debo saying he's back, I want to say the Eagles are back. I certainly feel better about them. The Hurts thing is still a big question mark, a really big question mark, and kind of is preventing me from going, you know, like all in on them, saying like, okay, this team is ready to compete for the Super Bowl when Jalen Hurts has yet to kind of show he can go up against a top quarterback in the league and kind of mm-hmm. outduel that guy and lead his team to a win. Um, so... Still work to be done, but in terms of the vibes, the vibes are much better for the Eagles than a lot of other teams. Things are trending in a more positive way with the Cowboys trending downwards and the Eagles <laughs> getting A.J. Brown and getting Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean. And yeah, it's just uh, it's a it's a good and, and having one of the easier schedules in the league. I was looking so, you know, with these rosters kind of more solidified after the draft, it's maybe a good time for whatever team you're a fan of to look at the quarterbacks on the schedule you have to really kind of crystallize that. And like, Oh wow. Cause I was looking at the Eagles and it's like, Oh wow. Like Jalen hurts is probably, and I'm not even the highest guy, obviously on Jalen hurts. He's probably better than all, but like maybe six or five of the quarterbacks on the Eagles schedule this year. So um, not a bad spot to be in. Absolutely not. I had, I was worried that Holly Roseman was going to make a play for Debo Samuel. I, that I was saying, we are not 
focused enough on the Eagles. They're going to make a swing. And they did for a wide receiver. It, fortunately, it was Tory Dandy's other client, A.J. Brown. By the way, the Packers are the team that wears green that should have made the swing for right. A.J. Brown. Like, exactly. What? Great you point know, by you. I, I forgot to bring that up when we were talking about that. Yeah, like why a rookie? Like that's not <laughs> that's not someone who can definitely help you right away. A.J. Brown can. You had the extra draft picks from the right. Devontae Adams move. Like, it's Give up both. Give right. Up, like, you can outbid. Like, what would the Packers probably rather have? 18 and 101, which is what the Eagles gave up? Or, or sorry, what would the Titans rather have? 18 and 101 or 22 and 28? <laughs> right. Like, it's absurd that the Packers – There's who would criticize the Packers for giving up those picks for A.J. Brown? Nobody. Nobody. He's 24 years old. Right. It's not even like he's 30. He's exactly. 24. It's and you can easily. So I think a lot of people may have been like, well, why would you just give up? Why would you not just pay Devontae Adams at that point? Well, it's like, okay, because he's 24. Because he's really younger. You're getting a guy who can not only be here for Aaron Rodgers now, but also can potentially be around after he's gone. So that's why you would do it. Because you're getting younger. It's, it's not like it shouldn't have been. We need to avoid paying a wide receiver at all costs. No, it's like if you don't want to pay Devontae Adams because you're worried about he's had this big workload and he's getting older and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I don't love that decision timeline wise, but if you're going to pivot to AJ Brown, that makes all the sense in the world. And you use that pick that you got from Devontae Adams to turn him into AJ Brown, that would have made all the sense in the world. And I think Justice was even talking about that. So it's not even just like us, not Packers fans, like being that. Like Justice has been talking about that as well. Uh, and, that, and and what's left for them to do? Like, there isn't another shoe for them to drop. Like, Justice has kind of brought up Terry McLaurin. I don't think Washington is getting rid of him. Like, Ron Rivera's like kind of in a make or break situation right now. And just because you got Jahan Dotson doesn't mean like you can move on from Terry McLaurin. Like that does not, not allow you to do that at all. And because if, if you do, then it's Jahan Dotson who might be awesome at best. And then no one. <laughs> like, so like, I, I just don't think there's really another shoe to drop there for the Packers. So yeah, great point by you. They absolutely should have made the move for AJ Brown. Absurd. If I was a Packer fan, I would be irate, especially once I saw what AJ Brown went for. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief. Again, we remind you, please rate, review, follow the SB Nation NFL show. We are smashing records when it comes to downloads. That is thanks to you. We are so grateful. If you already follow us, thank you. Please take the time to leave a rating and a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen. I promise you, if you take the time to do it, we will take the time to read it. BLG. I'm, I was happy to do the show with you today. I'm happy your team had such a great draft. I hope you have a fantastic week, my friend. Thanks, Stats. Uh, listen to the mixtape, NFC mixtape, everyone, on, available on all the NFC East SB Nation blog feeds, most importantly, the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And Stats, <laughs> I will say also, in addition to leaving a rating review, all that good stuff, and maybe you've already done that. First of all, you can always leave a new one if you want True. to with, with updated feedback and it bumps up to the top. So don't think you can't do it again. And, and if you've done all that and you don't want to leave a review, you how about you just tell a friend about it i'm sure you have a friend that you know who likes football maybe isn't even a fan of the same team that you are and that might be a bummer because you can't like maybe share the same uh you know local team podcast like an eagles podcast for example but you can tell them about the sb nation nfl show so make sure you do that enjoy your week everybody if you want the afc winners and lunars, uh, losers make sure you tune into nfl university tomorrow they will break down all the winners and losers in the american football conference have a good week, everybody. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. 
It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.